scary girl. Hi, everybody. Hey, everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And, and this, this is Dead, Dead Time, Time Stories. A weekly podcast where Sarah and I get together to talk about ghost stories, true crime, mysteries, cults, conspiracies, the supernatural, paranormal, or even just the generally weird, eerie, spooky, strange stuff that we want to talk about that week. Because it's our show and not yours. Clean as fuck. That was clean. Oh, I, I like love that it. Vogue. You like that? I was I was voguing during That's the right, whole y'all. thing. I wrote it the fuck down. <laughs> Murders, mysteries, conspiracies, cults. Uh, uh, Vogue. Uh, 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 Vogue. Uh, uh. So yeah, I'm ready. Welcome to the show. If this is your first time Welcome here, turn it off. Go listen to it from the beginning. Start back at the beginning. <laughs> fuck off. Go listen. To <laughs> if this is your first time here. First off, fuck you. <laughs> Um, there was an experience I was going to ask you if you had ever had, and then I realized that you wouldn't because you were the oldest sibling, which is when your oldest sibling has a friend over and you want to hang out and your oldest sibling is like, no, (laughs) you're not hanging out with me and my friend. Yeah, I was the no person in that situation. Correct. (laughs) Get out of here, younger sibling. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. And I'm like, no, you didn't experience that because you were the one doing that. I was. <laughs> you were the oldest. That was me. Can I hang out with you? A hair no. Toss. No. No. Shut the door. Get out of my room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? That's something as an adult that I don't get to say anymore. Get out of my room. <laughs> get out of my room. Right. Now you're just like, oh, yeah, like you hang out, I guess. Not even friends. that. It's just like I'm the only one going in my room. Nobody's just going in there. There's no, like, get out of my room. If anything, I would be asking the question of, like, why were you in my room? Right? With the person you live with. Yes. Yes. That would be super weird. Why? Why were you in my room? Why yeah, you, you, would, room? you would be, that would be kind of I would of be shame. like, get out! You'd be like, why are you in here? Why? Did you need something? <laughs> He's like, I just wanted to look at the plants. I'm like, fair. Fair. <laughs> They're doing well. They're doing a good job. They're doing good. They're doing good. I gotta figure out what's going on with my little money tree. There's part of one of her leaves is a little sad. That's okay. She'll lose some. She'll grow some. She's leaning, you she'll know. Be. But that's because of the way the window is. There's like no light in here, so she's like, Ugh! like she's really get me to the light. Right. She's like this in the pot. You know, you can turn her. Yeah, but then she's just gonna lean back again, and I she'll straighten. I out. have a feeling. No, she'll straighten out until she gets back to the window. And what I'm afraid of from my limited reading of how to take care of plants is that she's going to, like, burn too much energy trying to lean back the other way. Hmm. She's telling me she's going to lean this way to the sun. If I turn her around, she's going to have to be like, <gasps> to, like, lean back again. I make them lean make back. Sense? I make them lean back, <laughs> lean back, lean back. Sarah's like, just be straight. <laughs> Please, look, we know how I was raised. I know. It's in her bones. She can't help it. I'm trying, y'all. <laughs> oh, God. No, that's not true. I would only ever do that with my plants. And even then, it's not a be straight. <laughs> it's more like a... Please stop reaching this way so much. You're going to fall out of your pot. You're going to hurt something. <laughs> Please just Poor be thing. straight She's or you're going to hurt yourself. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. I feel like I should just let her do what she's doing. I mean, that's fine. You know, but- you you plant parent the way you want to plant parent. This is the longest I've kept a plant alive. Proud of you. It always starts with just that one and then you buy more I'm and more. I'm just like, let me... Let me listen to her. I've I've just let her stretch this whole time, and she seems to be into it. So I'm just gonna let her do that. I guess we will let her live. I got a snake plant too life. now. The snake plant's sitting next to her. Oh, good. They're friends. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I figured that'd be cool because those are the ones that are supposed to be really hard to kill. So I was like, if if I'm gonna get a second plant, it's gonna be one of these. That's what they say. But I have killed two snake plants. So. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> and you're really good with plants. <laughs> Oh no. no! What have I done? What have I done? What am I doing? You said you had banner. You wanted to. What did you want to talk about? I what did. Was your banter today? So what I wanted to talk about today, and I didn't bring it up when we were just chit chatting. And honest to God, when it happened this morning, I wanted to text you right away, and I was like, save oh it for goodness. the show. Okay. So this morning, I got a text from my boss, and he was like, "Hey." 
did you authorize or did you buy anything from this company on the credit card? And I went, no, not a chance. And it was like a $50 transaction. So he sends a group message like to our chat for all three of us. And he said, hey, guys, my like the company credit card is officially deactivated. It turns out we were hacked by some by someone and there were around $600 worth of charges made all to Arbonne. Oh, yes. I was like, give it a second for you to realize all of it to Arbonne. Which is why when they were like, did you spend did you spend this hundred dollars at Arbonne? I said You're not like, a chance. Not a chance. Never, <laughs> never in a million years. Never, not a not a fucking penny. So for those of you who don't know, or for those of you who are like, Arbonne, I use their products. I'm really sorry and regret to inform you. That's a fucking multi-level marketing scheme. That's an MLM, yeah, no, and we uh, here... If you're into an MLM, yeah. we At Dead Time Stories, we do not stand for MLMs. We are very anti-MLM. We are. And so, yes, when he texted me this morning and said, hey, did you make a purchase to Arbonne? I said, <laughs> absolutely like, not. No fucking way. I said, absolutely not. I also said, that's a multi-level marketing scheme. There's no way. There's no way. And I at would that ever point, he said, it's just a $50 charge and like sent me a picture of it. And then when he messaged us to say that the card had been, you know, deactivated, those charges were fraud. They had made a but whole they bunch of, they were all Arbon, like $50, $60 purchases all in total coming out to around $600. I can't help but feel like that was some hun like refilling her stock. I, to sell. part of me was like, Frank, does your wife have access to this card? I don't think she does. I don't think that that's what happened. I Do think you know that anyone in the office who part-time sells Arbon? Not in our office, because it's just the three of us, and we know how I feel about right, that. Right, but I mean, like, these but, are the questions I would be yes. asking him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think somehow they got it off of a website or something. I'm really not sure, but we're getting a new card, etc. But this morning, my company's credit card was hacked by a multi-level marketing scheme. Oh, my God. That's how they get you. That's That's it. $50 transactions only, that you don't know. That's notice. the only way somebody would spend $600 at Armon. That or it's a bored housewife at home who really feels like she could make this work for her. Right. She can do it's, it. It's She's got two hours a day Arbon. while the baby is sleeping. It's just oh, a measly poorly. $600 just like, now. I know. You're desperate because you're not making any money selling Arbon. But you can if you refill your stock for free and then sell them. Though it will only be at a profit. Yep. Oh, honey, I'm so sorry. Well, I mean, honestly, though, we didn't catch it. So she probably got all of her product and then we're just going to get refunded the money. Yeah. Then it's a win-win. It's probably, probably what happened. Except for her because she's losing because she joined a pyramid scheme. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. I'm like, that, that woman's in a not good place. I also just really, part of me is like, it could be a man who did it. But we know it was probably a woman. Mm, right i'm like with an mlm it was probably a woman if it was like gamestop stock i would have been like that might have been a dude but Arbon. Right? but it wasn't it was Arbon. that was a middle-aged woman who has a new a new child in her life oh honey so yeah that's what's happening over here there's my yeah, banter wild. that i just i just had to stay and it was worth it to see your face and i'm really sorry that for everyone listening they didn't get to see it <laughs> as stephanie took the few seconds to have it set in and realized that i said arbon arbon right exactly she was like, like not when you well when you said not a chance uh, of course i was like because i would never just use the business card yeah absolutely blatantly. right that was how i took the not a chance but also then when you were like yeah somebody spent this much money at arbon i was like Okay, well, e- double down on the not a chance because even if you were going to use the company funds, it wouldn't, which you wouldn't, it certainly wouldn't be for fucking Arbon. Oh, God, no. 5,000% oh, no. Wow. Not at all. Wow. That's some good, that is good banter. So that's <laughs> a little story. bit of a little, you know what? Honestly, that's a little scurry girl. They could have gotten more money from scary, our company. Scurry girl. Ugh. What's real scary, girl, is uh, how much money I could sink into drag makeup because, wow, what a fun time. I thought you were going to be like, wow, how much makeup I used. <laughs> I got to buy more. I did more. use a, a lot of makeup. I did use a, a lot. <laughs> and I'm like, I will need a lot more. <laughs> 
Um, that's why I'm like, yeah, I already like spent a bunch and I'm like, okay, there are all these things that I want to buy to do better. Like I already said, I need a darker contour and like, I want to buy, you see those bitches working with the sticks, like foundation and concealer Mm -hmm. sticks. I need sticks. I don't need them, but like they will be much more efficient for for what I'm trying to do. Just get ready, Um, y'all. Stephanie's drag persona is coming to fruition. Yeah, I'm still, I haven't named her yet. Um, although we, uh, we did lovingly, Sarah called her Twinifer Coolidge, which I love. I stand by Coolidge. I was trying to think <laughs> of something to do with Coolidge, Twinifer Cooleridge. I don't know. Oh, see, I came up with, uh, Jennifer Coolbish. <laughs> Twinifer Coolbish. Done. Twinifer Coolbish. Um, but I always like to, I like to consider myself a Jennifer Coolidge type. If that's who you were trying to cast me in those kind of roles, I'd be very excited to play those kind of roles. Um, But yeah, so I did, I painted myself all up, and then I started uh, doing a Jennifer Coolidge impression, because I love Jennifer Coolidge, and I've practiced it a lot for no reason anyway. Um, But it was really exciting. It was so funny, because I mentioned it to Charlie this morning, and I showed him the picture, and I was like, that's why Stephanie FaceTimed me randomly last night. She wanted to show me her face. And he was like, oh, that's right, I forgot. Because after I got off the phone with you, then his sister called him, and she had a flat tire, and it was, like, snowing, and so he forgot all about asking me what happened. So it's like, yeah, I was like, look, and she wants to be um, like Jennifer Coolidge. Like, that's sort of the type that she's going for. And he was like, who? And I looked at him, and I went, you've seen her. Stifler's mom. And right. he's like, yes, got it. <laughs> and I went through the Rolodex in my head of all of the characters that she's played right, and you're who like, he might know. That this person will know. Stifler's like, right mom. Away. Stifler's mom. Got it. Done. And I, it's funny because I know that that's the first thing I knew her from. But, like, you know, now I've seen, like, all the Christopher Guest movies and, like, she shows up all over the place. Oh, my God. She's everywhere. fantastic. But right, anybody who you're like, what would this person know her from? Stifler's Stifler. mom. <laughs> Legally blonde. Legally blonde. And that's what, yeah, the impression was that I kept doing was the, makes me want a hot dog real bad. Uh, isn't she also <laughs> in Best in Show? Yes. Right? Because she's part of the lesbian couple. Because they're... <laughs> Because they're not a lesbian couple. Right. Oh, my God. I It has been so long since I, I just rewatched The Mighty Wind or A Mighty Wind not too long ago, but I have not rewatched Best in Show in a hot minute. And that is Yeah. So good. we rewatched Best in Show recently, right? So they're, quote, unquote, not a lesbian couple because Jennifer Coolidge is like Anna Nicole. Like, she's like married to this old, old, old rich white guy. Yes. And Jen- uh, Jane Lynch is the dog trainer, but they- Definitely, but they're like, like together. Are, are fucking each other. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but we watched it recently because there is this restaurant uh, called Mission Taqueria that is really goddamn good. And on Fridays, they do a movie night where there's like a basic package, which is just the meal and the movie um, or the NC21, which is the meal package. And then they send you also mixers to make uh, drinks at home, like you just add the tequila and it's like, oh, nice. What That's you a good idea. Yeah. Um, and it comes with a gift card to rent a movie from Amazon and you can rent whatever you want or you can watch what they say is like, this is tonight's movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when we did it before, it was best in show. And we're like, yeah, we'll watch that. So we like ate nachos and had margaritas and watched Best in Show. And it was a really good time. That's what I'll suggest. Well, because I told Charlie, I was like, it's like a snow night. I was like, let's watch a movie tonight because we've just been watching King of the Hill on loop. And I'm not, I'm not ashamed of that. I like that we've just been watching King of the Hill on loop, but like, I kind of want to watch a movie. Maybe I'll suggest Best in Show. I feel like we've been watching movies more recently Yeah, because, yeah, I'm so used to sitting down and watching hours of a show that I'm like, I have time to watch a movie. Let's watch a movie. I know. I think for us, it's that we put it on because we don't want to have to pay full attention to it. We want to just Oh, I know. I have so many background shows that I've gotten through now. I have one episode left of MASH. I have just the finale of MASH. Oh, MASH. Mind you, MASH is 11 seasons. I watched all of King of the Hill already. 
I had watched all of Golden Girls, all of Designing Women. Like, I always have some background show. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm, I want to sit and, like, watch the last episode of MASH. <laughs> but I just have the finale of MASH left. There you go. There was something else lately that I was like, ooh, that'll be my next show. Where it was, like, another, like, old sh- Taxi. Oh, yeah? I was like, oh, is Taxi on Hulu? That'll be my next show. See, because we were talking today after yoga, and I was like, oh, maybe we'll watch The Simpsons. Maybe that'll be the next one we start back from. Yeah. At the beginning. I was like, because I feel like we recently watched Futurama. We just finished the newest season of Disenchantment. So. I haven't watched the newest season yet. It's good. I... I've rewatched Kimmy Schmidt and I didn't realize that I hadn't seen the last season. So like I rewatched the show and all of it, you know, whatever. Did you watch the but movie? But at one point I was watching it. Huh? Did you watch I, the movie? I haven't watched the movie yet. The movie is fun. I haven't watched any of the interactive movies. It is But I'm excited. So I do want to watch it. Yeah. But yeah, at some point I was like, wait a minute, I've never seen this part. Like how have I never seen this part? And I started paying more attention. I was like, yeah, I never watched the fourth season of the show. It's delightful. It's delightful. I love Titus. Titus is the reason to watch the show. Uh, but yeah, next is the the interactive Kimmy versus the Reverend movie. It's very I haven't good. watched any of the Netflix interactive Choose Your Own Adventure movies. I'm excited. There we go, guys. Um, but you yeah. know what else you should? Well, you're not really going to watch this. You're going to listen to it. Our show. <laughs> Our show? Our show. <laughs> We promo every other show, but y'all, did you realize this show's the best show of all? <laughs> Two star content. Knocking, baby? Did I hear a knock? Okay. It's the ghost. It was very like it was just very faint, so I was like, is that? That's the ghost. The ghost is like, can you wrap it up, please? See, it kind of when you hold it up to me, yes, it looks like the Planet Express. When it's back there and you're smoking it, it looks like a butt plug. But I don't hate it. I think it's funny. It's good, though, because, like look, the base is wider, yeah. which is what you need. Like a butt plug should be. Should be, but not everyone takes that note. Should be. If you don't know, if you're going to put something up your butt, the base needs to be wider than the tip so that it doesn't go all the way up and get lost in there. And you <laughs> Not even should your have butt. Like a little... If it's going in another orifice, in- inside the base you. should be larger. Fair enough. We haven't done it's a Fetish 5 you. in a should long time. should have a flared base. But this was like a Fetish <laughs> 5 seconds. Here's your yeah, Fetish like 5 it. seconds. If you choose to Ooh. use some sort of a toy that goes inside of an orifice, make sure the base is wider than anything than the else on tip it. that's going inside of you. Yep. There it is. Well, with that, <laughs> that being out there. Hey, so I love how you, you got this cute little. Mm. I was also like better out than in. That's what the butt plug says. That's what they all say. <laughs> God. That's what I always say. <sighs> hey, Sarah. Hey, Stephanie. Hey, hey Leslie. Leslie. Y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? Y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? Did we decide? No, we didn't. We absolutely did not. (laughs) I didn't think so. I didn't think so. We just agreed. I'll go first. We both had, you know. We were both like, yeah, it's kind of short, but that's okay because we had a lot of banter. I will go first. Take it away. I will. Do it now. Do it. You won't. I'm starting. I'm letting there be a little moment of silence. I'm going to cut that. Oh, my God. <laughs> so today, fine. I'm just going to – I'll just talk about it. I'm talking about Jennifer Pan. Do you know who she is? No, I don't. Please tell me all about it. Is she I related will, to if Peter? You shut up. Pan? You shut up. <laughs> what did you ask me about her? Is she related to Peter Pan? She is not related to Peter Pan, although Hook is a movie we watched recently. That's not what I asked you. I know. <laughs> but we were a minute ago talking about movies that we've been watching. No, she's not related to Peter Pan, and she's a real person. Okay. Sounds good. Let's go. What happened? Did she get murdered? She didn't get murdered. So this story, I want to approach it from a, a respectful manner uh, while I acknowledge that sometimes this story is used in a weird way. So 
what I mean by that is that Jennifer Pan, her family is um, Vietnamese. Her parents were Han Pan and Bic Pan. Both of them moved to Canada from Vietnam. And they were what people would kind of refer to as the stereotypical tiger parents. Okay. Mm -hmm. So tiger parents is like a racially charged term, but that's what they, that's a, a phrase that's used to refer to like really strict Asian parents who are like, you know, really strict about school, how you spend time with boys, whether or not you can spend time with boys, you know, that kind of like parenting style. That's a tiger that's what parent. That's referred to as. And then a gay gun-toting politician in Oklahoma is a tiger king. Tiger king, correct. Got it. Yes. Got it. Got yes. it. Okay, understood. Excellent work. And okay. the tiger king is very white. White as hell. Very white. Like missing multiple so, teeth white. Right. So, even though Jennifer had really strict parents, she uh, and they, you know, insisted that she needed to do really well at school. She needed to be really smart. She needed to be good at everything. And when she was younger, she wanted to be an Olympic ice skater. And she was skating a lot. She was training to do that. Oh. And she tore a ligament in her knee that made that an impossible future for her. Oh. So, of course, her parents were like, well, then you need to be a doctor. So you need to go to school to be a doctor. But she was a very average student. And when I say average, like C average, like basic, like super average, just basically everything but like music. It just wasn't for her. It wasn't for her. Right. But because she was really good at music and she played, I believe, the piano and maybe also the violin, they they had her teaching piano classes. That was how she was like making money in the home. And in high school, she was not allowed to date. She was not allowed to hang out with boys. She was never, and I mean so strict as, like, she wasn't allowed to, like, spend the night at other people's houses. Like, she never had, like, any time away from her parents where she, like, stayed with friends. That never happened. Um, By the time she was 22, like, she'd never had alcohol. She had started dating a boy. His name was uh, Daniel. It was Daniel Chi Kuang Wong. We'll just call him Daniel Wong. Mm -hmm. But that was all a big secret because she was not allowed to be dating boys. So her parents never knew about Daniel. Like, that was a whole part of her life that they didn't know about. Sure. There were a lot of whole parts of her life that they did not know about. Well, yeah. Any child who's raised in that kind of an environment is going to sneak around. Yes. Any, like, really strict parenting, not necessarily Asian parenting, (laughs) but to be clear... Any, like, super, super strict parenting, all you're, all that's really doing is enforcing that, like, not that your kid isn't going to do those things, but that your kid just isn't going to tell – you will never know that your kid is doing those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of – I had a situation like that with my mom. Like, I got around a lot because my mom was very strict, and all my mom really paid attention to was my grades. So as long as I had good grades, I could kind of, like, do, get away with a lot, and I kind of did. I'm okay now. I'm a – I'm a pretty well-rounded adult, I think. Right? I think back at, like, how I behaved in high school and the things that I got in trouble for and the way my parents reacted. And I won't say a whole lot because my mom might listen to this show. I don't know. And um, I just feel like I was a really fucking good kid. And I turned out to be a solid adult. So why? Just why? what was the deal? What right. was the point? Other than now I am I'm an adult with crippling anxiety and a huge fear of my mother and a fear of authority that I feel like will hold me back in any kind of a career I choose to have. But otherwise I'm good. Yeah, I, mine is uh, I have imposter syndrome. So just like I always feel like no even though I could list my accomplishments, I was looking it's at my enough. resume. Yeah. My resume is real. It has all the things on it that I've actually done. Mm-hmm. I was looking at my resume and I was like I don't, this doesn't sound right. Like, I don't feel like mm-hmm. this sounds too good to be true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's me. I did do those things. But I, yeah, I never feel like, yep. I don't feel like I live up to my accomplishments. Yep. But when I sit and, like, list them, I feel like I'm a very, like, well-situated, like, successful person. <laughs> but then I'm like, but I don't feel like that. What am I doing wrong? I'm just a anyway, product of we're not of getting into raisin. all that right now. So... Jennifer Pan. (laughs) Right. Let's talk about her problems. Not our problems, her problems. Secret life. So she's got this secret boyfriend, Daniel. That's a big secret. 
uh, her GPA, that's a big secret. Because by 10th or 11th grade, Jennifer is, like, forging her report cards. She's not doing good, yeah. And by 12th grade, she had actually flunked out of school. Whoa! But she didn't tell her parents She that. went full downhill. Correct. So when it came time to finish school, she told them that she <laughs> she was graduating, but the school's only letting everybody have one person come, and rather than making her choose between her parents, she was going to invite her friends. She's like, listen, there's That's a pandemic, and so they said that I can't have any guests there. There's social distancing, so like we're not going to have like a live graduation. It'll be streamed. It'll be streamed. You can watch it on Facebook. You don't have a Facebook? Oh, I'll take some pictures for you. You don't need to so, come. So, <laughs> not only had she lied about dating she's got this boyfriend she's been seeing since high school who by the way that is going however because he is getting real tired of all the like sneaking that they have to do like to see each other i was gonna say not i was like is he not a good guy or is he getting sick of the the runaround right he's getting sick of the runaround so in addition to faking those report cards, faking graduating from high school, um, she told her parents that she got into college and she uh, was going to Ryerson University, which is where she was originally going to go. She had been accepted before she flunked out of high school. Before she, she had gave been early, up. early accepted. They rescinded her early um, exception. Wow. But she was like, yeah, I'm going to school. And she would leave every day. <laughs> And she would go to, like, cafes and libraries, and she would borrow textbooks, and she would take notes, and she would watch videos. She said she was going to school for pharmacology. So she would come home, and she would have all these notes from pharmacology class because she was going to school. Why was she taking so much effort to go through the ruse instead of just fucking doing it? Doing what she needed to do. I don't know. Because it sounds like it, but, she's doing just as much work to pretend. Right, all that work. I know. I know. It, it's not even so, for like, on the side, I'm doing filmmaking. Or on the side, I'm working in my no. band. No. She, wow. I have no idea. So she, what she was doing besides that was spending a lot of time with her boyfriend. So eventually she said that she um, was going to be staying with a friend near campus because the commute back and forth to campus was really hard. So she was going to be staying with a friend of hers during the week and then come home on the weekends. But she was just staying with her boyfriend. She wasn't going to school. Of course, yeah. Now, mind you, this went on uh, for like two years and she said that she was going to transfer to the University of Toronto. <laughs> She's like, I gotta to finish go, out go. I gotta get out. Her degree in pharmacology. Wow. Um, her boyfriend, Daniel, he was working at a Boston pizza restaurant and he was uh, selling weed. So that's what he was doing. So he had big prospects and goals. That was, yeah. I mean, he had a business. He was an entrepreneur. Like, he was slinging pizzas and, and selling weed. weed. <laughs> yes. That's what he was doing. Slinging herbal medicine. Thank you very much. So in addition to telling her parents that she was working on her degree at the University of Toronto, she said that she was working as a volunteer at the Hospital for Sick Children, which that's what it's called, the Hospital for Sick Children. <laughs> hey, you know what? Why sugarcoat it? It is what it is. Han and Bick soon became suspicious uh, because they were like, she never, she doesn't have an ID badge. I don't see her, like, wear, like, a uniform for the hospital. Like, that's when they started to be, like, something seems Are off. you, though? Yeah. Something is weird. <laughs> so, one day, Bick, which is her mom, Bick was like, I'm going to follow Jennifer to work and see what happens. And she followed her and... <laughs> she watched her just go around town like she didn't go to work at all she wasn't this sounds possible. like uh dirty john uh so bick like told her like what was going or told her husband what was going on um and han like freaked out han is the dad bick is the mom han was like we're gonna kick her out of the fucking house and she is <laughs> like 
please, like, don't kick me out of the house. Like, I didn't even finish high school. Like, I don't have anywhere to go. And she, like, I've been lying to you for a really long time, but I have nothing. Yeah. And she told them, uh, like, they told her the only way that she could stay is she had to go back to school, right? Yeah. Immediately, she had to finish her high school degree and go to college. Like, that's what she had to do. Mm -hmm. She was forbidden to talk to her boyfriend, Daniel, and she was not allowed to go anywhere but work and her job teaching. Mm -hmm. And still, she was, like, finding ways to, like, talk to Daniel. Of course. Talk to her boyfriend. Because that's what kids do. Now, we say kids. By this time, Jennifer was 24 years old. Oh, my gosh. And this is still the relationship that she has with her parents. So she's spending a whole bunch of time sneaking around pretending like she's in school when she could have gotten a job making money so she could live on her own and make her own choices. She chose to go around and lie and then be like, no, please don't kick me out. I have nowhere to go. Yeah. All right. Okay. So... Forget the, like, tell your boyfriend you're pregnant story, because that's not what she's going to do, right? But her boyfriend starts seeing another girl. Like, he's like, I'm so over this. Daniel is like, your parents are crazy. I'm sorry. That's not on you. But I can't. I can't do this. Keep doing this. Like, I need to have, like, a normal relationship. And once he started seeing another girl, that is when Jennifer really, like, kind of, like, snapped. Yeah. Yeah. She went fucking nuts so she um started trying to contact him and tell him that his new girlfriend was like doing things to threaten her or to like put her in danger she said that somebody showed up at her house pretending to be a police officer and then several men rushed in and she said that they had gang raped her oh my god all of this was like a lie right telling him to like your gr- and your girlfriend sent them. Then she said that somebody sent her a bullet in the mail and it was his girlfriend. And she was like, your girlfriend did this. She sent me a bullet in the mail. She sent these people here to attack me. Like, really, like, wild She's lost shit. her mind. So, in spring of 2010, she was in contact with some people from high school and she was trying to find someone to kill her dad. Oh, Okay. She offered somebody – there was a guy who she said was, like, telling people all around school that he had killed someone, that, like, he uh, robbed somebody at knife point. And so she was like, hey, what if I give you, like, money to kill my parents? And that guy, the police talked to him, he was like, I never claimed to have robbed or stabbed anybody, but I did say, like, I'm not going to fucking kill your parents. That part of her story is true. There was, like, some – kid uh named ricardo duncan who is referred to as the goth kid <laughs> who she tried to give him fifteen hundred dollars to kill her dad like in the parking lot at his work oh my god that's it fifteen hundred dollars she did not do right. her research <laughs> i mean i don't know that's how much like didn't i don't remember how much dahlia paid it that's was not a much. down payment I, is fifteen hundred dollars it's true it was down payment. you're absolutely later. right that was the down payment. I feel you're like if you're going to put a hit out on someone, you should at least be budgeting $5,000 minimum. Minimum. Oh, you're absolutely right. Absolutely minimum $5,000. In The Professional, they were talking about how the closer you have to get to kill somebody is more expensive. That's So, fair. like, if you want me to, like, take somebody out with a sniper rifle, like, that's, like, three grand. If you want me to, like, get close enough to – if I have to, like, knife somebody, if I have to, like, kill them, like, up close, that that's, like, like 20 grand. Yeah. Because that's, like, really – I have to get, like, up on them DNA with no other people around. Yeah. And that's really hard. Mm-hmm. Right? And I was like, that seems really reasonable. <laughs> I'm like, all of those prices sound about right. Offering someone $1,500 to off your dad? No, ma'am. Excuse me. My time and my killing skills are worth more than that. So (laughs) eventually Jennifer convinced her boyfriend, Daniel, I don't know how, um, to help her find somebody. But he's not her boyfriend. He's... Right, because he, he sees someone came else. back to her after he thought she was stop. Yeah, what is this? What does this woman look like? Average. 
It's like with Dahlia, where I'm like, what did you say or do to get these people on your yeah, side? Yeah, when they kept, they kept talking about Dahlia's sex appeal, and I was like, her? Did you end up watching any footage of her? Yes. She's just, I was like, what She's sex so appeal? What are you talking about? I don't know. Literally. They're like, she seduced all these men. I was like, what? (laughs) Number one, her? Really? Really, though. Yes. Yes. So Jennifer and Daniel are trying to find somebody to kill her parents. (laughs) And Daniel gets them hooked up with this guy named Linford Roy Crawford, uh, who they call Homeboy. (laughs) Okay. That's his nickname is Homeboy. That's all right. So that you feel more And Homeboy is like, hey, normally I charge $20,000 to kill somebody because they're my friends. And I'm going to give you the friends and family discount. $18,000. Oh. <laughs> 10. It's 50% off for friends and family. For you. For you. And then Jennifer's like, I only have $1,500. Would She's like, I'll get it from my parents because by their math, they're thinking if she, when they kill her parents, they're going to get half a million dollars. She's going to inherit $500,000. So she's like, yeah, I can give 10 grand from my savings, my trust fund, what the fuck ever. I'm 24 years old. Um, but yeah, I can do that. And because we're going to be fucking swimming in it once my parents are dead, I'm going to get $500,000. So uh, they gave her a phone with a SIM card to be like, okay, this is how we're going to keep in contact. Don't give anybody this number. Don't call anybody. Don't let anybody call you. This is like strictly a you and me phone number. Mm-hmm. Got, like you heard. And she's like, yeah, homeboy. Wink, wink, nudge, so- nudge. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say no more. So he had two other cohorts, uh, Eric Sean Sniper Carter, or Cardi. I was like, did they call him Sniper? And a guy named David, how did I decide I was going to say this name? Milvaganam. Okay. David Mil- Milvaganam. Sure. That's how I think I'm going to I'm gonna say that. We'll call him D-Man. So she hires them. They make a plan. The plan goes into play. Okay. And on the night of November 8th, 2010... Bick, her mom, was out, like, dancing because she went out. I think this was, like, a Monday. Her, she went out every Monday to go line dancing. That was, like, her thing. And Jennifer was like, okay, I'm going to go up to bed. And, um, like, after her mom came home, she's like, good night, mom. Good night, dad. I love you. Everybody goes to bed. And she left the front door unlocked. Jennifer, like, went back and unlocked the front door. And she went up to bed and her parents are like, all right, like, we're going to, you know, hang out downstairs before we go to bed or whatever. And... Shortly after she goes to bed, um, she texts them and she's like, Coast is clear. Oh, okay. Like, come on in. So the three men come in and they all have guns. Um, this is again, uh, homeboy, Linford Roy Crawford, Eric Sean Sniper Cardi, and, and David Milviganom. So they, uh, they come in, they have guns, they start demanding all the money in the house and they're like, Take us around. Give us everything that you fucking have. And, like, we're going to do this. We're going to finish this. And were the parents like, well, first and foremost, we have a daughter upstairs. Please, for the love of God, take her. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I wish. (laughs) No, they were doing everything that they were told. And they were like, please, just we have a daughter upstairs. Please just don't hurt our daughter. Oh, We'll give you whatever you want. Please just don't don't hurt our daughter oh not knowing that their daughter is, is who the hired one who set men. this up oh yes <sighs> so they took them around the house they took everything of value they took all the cash um he told them you know that there was someone else in the house it was his daughter upstairs please don't do anything after demanding all the money and ransacking the main bedroom the three men took bick and han to the basement where they shot both no, of them multiple times. No, I was hoping they weren't going to go through with it. Bick was killed. That was the mom. But Han survived his wounds. <gasps> the three men then took all the cash in the house, including $2,000 from, uh, from Jennifer, and left. Jennifer claimed that they had tied her up, you know, later when she was questioned. 
but that she had managed to get her hands free to call 911. So she's who called 911 to have them come to the house. And she's like, I don't know. There were three men in my house. They tied me up. They attacked my parents. I don't know what happened. Like, please come. And she's like, they killed my parents. They killed. She's thinking that they're both that dead. That they're both right? dead. Yeah. Because that's what she hired them to do. So he was taken to the hospital, her dad, Han. He was treated at Markham Stouffville Hospital before being moved to a trauma unit at Sunnybrook Hospital in Toronto by aircraft. The evening after the murder, Jennifer underwent her first interview with the police. She was arrested on the 22nd of, <laughs> of November, 2010. They were like, oh, yeah, so she did. the event happened on the 8th. They arrested her by the 22nd. During her third interview at the Markham Police Station of York Regional Police, she admitted that she had hired the killers. But she stated that she had hired them to kill her. Well, she was certainly no Dahlia because she broke real fast. She broke, yeah. Dahlia never, ever cracked. Mm. Don't forget. Don't forget. Dahlia's the realist. Do not. She said she would never crack, and she never cracked. And she never, she never cracked. It's really, like, it's really impressive. Oh, my God. What if we could somehow get one of these people who we constantly reference in our stories, like Dahlia DiPolito, or I'm trying to think of someone else who we've referenced to come on and be a guest on our show? Oh, my God. It would be amazing. Wouldn't that be hilarious? It would be hilarious. (laughs) Anyways, I'm sorry. This woman died. You're okay. Her mom died. It's very sad. Her dad's in the hospital from being shot multiple times. Because of her doing. Yes. Because of her hiring people to do it. Right. Um, In Canada, which I think they're allowed to do this in the U.S. too, but I might just see this on Law & Order all the time. The cops are allowed to lie to people to get them... To, I like, think share you can do that in the U.S. Right. And no, I was like, because on Law and Order, they'll always be like, your buddy flipped on you. And the the buddy has been like, I'm not telling you shit. They do. But they, they go tell in. each friend yeah, and that the like, other one has already done it. So and so spilled. So you should probably right. come glean too. Well, okay. You want to give us your side of the story? Because your friend already confessed. Stephanie, I'll let you know if we ever commit a murder together. Don't listen to them. I will never confess. I'm, I will Dahlia it. I will not break. So don't break. And right? you so snitch. That's you telling me right now? You're not going to break? I won't break. If the cops come into you and they're like, Sarah snitched on you, it's a fucking they're lie. lie. They're lying. <laughs> I'll tell you right now. I'll tell them that I'm going to tell them, but I'm going to lie to them. So if they tell you that I've confessed. They lied. And I gave you up. I did talk to them, but I fucking lied. (laughs) Got it. We're both going to lie to the cops. We're both going to lie to them. (laughs) Noted. Hopefully they don't go back to this podcast and listen to all of our episodes. So the cops know she's full of shit. Um, They get her to confess. (laughs) She tells them who the other guys are. They're all arrested by May of 2011. Like, everybody's under arrest. The trial for Jennifer Pan and her accomplices began in 2014. It went on for, like, 10 months. Everyone pleaded not guilty to the charges of first-degree murder, attempted murder, and conspiracy to commit murder. But you did it, At the trial. What's that? I said, but you did it, though. They did, though. They absolutely did. (laughs) At the trial, York Regional Police evidence included exhaustive tracking of the mobile devices, movements, and text message traffic, including over 100 messages sent between Jennifer Pan and Daniel Wong in the six hours prior to the killing. Further evidence centered around the atypical nature of the break-in, quote-unquote, and the robbery, the shootings, irregularities in Jennifer's testimony, Jennifer's obsession with Daniel, her lack of true emotion, and a confession regarding the attack and recognition of the trauma she underwent were all detailed. They were just like, everything this girl, she's full of shit. Yeah. And I think she's a really bad liar because she doesn't even know what emotions are, so she doesn't know how to fake emotions. Oof. That's like how (laughs) they were just like, this girl has no feelings. So she definitely did it. So she's definitely fucking, she is behind this. Mm -hmm. 
So a major irregularity was that Jennifer wasn't assaulted. She wasn't blindfolded. She wasn't taken oh. to the basement. She wasn't shot. And they left her behind just as an eyewitness. <laughs> to the attack. They didn't do anything to hurt her. Right. Evidence from Han, which because he survived, differed greatly from Jennifer's version of events. Of and it also undermined her credibility, as did her inability to recreate the conditions of her 911 call when her hands were bound behind her. Because they would be like, how did your, how, how were your hands tied? And they would tie them and she like couldn't get to her phone. She'd be like, but and I she was like, oh, well, they were tied more like this. It. Just now I'm just really nervous. You're just so pretty. This never happens. Now that you're watching me, like, it's really hard. Like, it's I can't do it when anybody's watching. <laughs> turn around. I can make it happen if you turn around. The trial included over 200 exhibits. Over 50 witnesses testified at the trial. Jennifer Pan, Daniel Wong, David <laughs> Milavagnum, <laughs> like I want to make sure I say his name right, but I don't know that I'm saying it right. Uh, Leonard uh, Linford Roy Crawford, which is homeboy, all of them were convicted on December 13, 2014, and each received a life sentence with no chance of parole for wow. 25 years. Wow. Originally, Cardi was tried with the other perpetrators. But his lawyer fell ill, so around the summer of 2014, his case was declared a mistrial. In December of 2015, he received an 18-year sentence after pleading guilty to conspiring to commit murder because all the other people were convicted. Were convicted. How the fuck was he ever going to convince anybody that, that he, he wasn't, wasn't a part of it? Yeah. But at least he, he was eligible. That other sen- he didn't get the severity of sentence that the others Correct. did. Correct. He didn't get the life sentence that all of them got. And he was eligible for parole uh, after nine years. So wow. after half of his sentence. According to Cardi, uh, which is the guy who was tried separately from everybody else, he just also pled guilty because he did not want to put Han Pan, her dad, through another criminal trial. That poor man has been through enough. Yeah. So you're probably wondering what happened with her dad because her dad is still alive, right? Yeah. How is he doing? When Jennifer Pan was sentenced to life with no chance of parole for 25 years for the murder of her mother and attempted murder of her father, her father, Han Pan, and her brother requested a court order that banned her from ever contacting any members of her surviving family ever again. Wow. That's petty, and I love it. <laughs> petty? <laughs> She's trying to fucking kill them. I know, but they're like, don't contact me or any other any person of in your our family, family ever again. Ever. Despite objections from her defense lawyer, the judge filed the order. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they're she allowed to She was also be banned like- from ever contacting Daniel Wong ever again. Well, he's in prison, right? Yes, he is also in prison. God, I bet that other girl who dated him in the meantime was like, "If I fucking told you if you just stayed with me. Now look where you are. Big Pond, that was her mom. Her funeral was held on November 15th of 2010 and took place at the Ogden Chapel in Scarborough. A funeral for Big Ha's father was held, according to Pan, prior to Big Ha's to satisfy a Chinese custom that asks for older members of the family to have their funerals first, which is strange and i would love to learn more about that yeah jennifer pan had organized both funerals and had been asked to do so big ha was buried on november 19th so right before she jennifer was arrested and her dad han pan he couldn't go because he was in the hospital because of his injuries that's hard and he never ever fucking wants to hear from his daughter ever the fuck again yeah no good for him i don't blame him and uh, Jennifer Pan's in prison. Good. In Canada. So the it end. can't be that bad, but it's still prison. <laughs> right. It can't be that bad because it's in Canada. Yeah. It's Canadian prison. It's so, Canadian you know, prison, like she can get so. her teeth done. She's fine, but she's in prison, but she's fine. Yeah. But she's fine. Wow. Sarah, what are you talking about this week? Oof. Well, mine is going to cleanse the palate a little bit, uh, and I'm yeah. talking about the Persian princess, 
which yeah. it's not a ghost story. So we're it's sw- not? Sw- 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 switching it up. Shocking. I mean, this could rah, 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 rah. be a ghost story. I would not be surprised to find out that this thing is haunted. But the research that I did, the story that I'm going to tell is not a ghost story. It's more of a weird okay. world story. All right. So this is the Persian princess. So in October of 2000, Pakistani authorities were told slash someone snitched to them about a video featuring a local man named Ali Akbar trying to sell a mummy on the black market for $11 million. $11 million? $11 million. That mummy better come with Brendan Fraser. Whose mummy is it? The Persian princess. Duh. Oh, okay. Well, that's fair. (laughs) (laughs) Brendan Fraser, duh. Um, I was like, is it a valuable movie? I guess we're going to find that out. I mean, they think think that it's $11 million worth. I mean, obviously, they didn't sell it before the cops found out. So, anyways, they were trying to sell this money on the black market for $11 million. Someone snitched to the cops. So, the cops were like, all right, buddy, listen. You know you can't do this. $11 million is way too expensive for a mummy. You can't be selling a mummy. Where's the mummy? We need the mummy. And he, Show me the mummy. Show me the mummy. And he was like, <laughs> all right, listen. Look, Here's what's up. Look, it's not my mummy. First off, I don't own this mummy. So I don't really know how it like got here. It's not even in my house. All right, so look, I'm trying to sell it, but it's not mine. This other dude owns it, and it lives at his place. And uh, I will take you to the mummy. And so they went. I'll take you there to the mummy. Right to the mummy. And so they went to the mummy, and the mummy was located at the home of tribal leader Wali Muhammad Riki. I'm just going to call him Riki. In an area right at the border of Afghanistan and Iran. So Riki says, look, I got this mummy from another guy, right? <laughs> he said this Iranian dude named Sharif Shabaki, and he said that he found it after an earthquake over in Iran. And then he brought it to me and I was like, yeah, I'll sell it for you and we'll just like split the profits. And they were like, dope. So, according to Riki, they had planned to sell it, and that at the time, they already had another unknown buyer who had offered them a million dollars for the mummy, but, like, that was way under asking value. They were fucking looking for 11. They were sitting on it. It's like fucking, no, less than 10%. It's like, I'm sorry, a million dollars? We're going to leave this eBay listing open. And wait for the next like, time. What is bitter. this? Uh, are you fucking getting a fan, a friends and family discount? No, it's no. eleven hundred dollars. Eleven million dollars. Eleven million dollars. It's eleven million dollar mummy. So the cops were like, "Okay, well y'all are under arrest, and we're taking the mummy, <laughs> and now we're gonna take it for free, bitch. And we're gonna take it, and we're not even gonna leave you a dollar." And they were like, that's fine, because we don't use American currency anyway, you bitch. I don't even know how much that is. Um, It was like, when I looked at it, it was like 68,000 No, I just rubles. mean that's because you were like, we don't use dollars. Like, yeah, that's, I don't even know how much that is. I don't even know what, what that even is. Offering what did me? you just throw on my face? So, cops were like, cool, thanks. Y'all are under arrest. We're taking the mummy. So, Ali Akbar, the first guy, and Riki, the guy who was housing it, They were both charged with violating Pakistan's Antiquity Act, and they were sentenced to 10 years in prison. Wow. That third guy, uh, Baki, the one who said that he, you know, Riki was like, he originally found it in an earthquake over in a nearby town. He was never found and he's still at large. So the other two guys are serving 10 years and this dude is still out living his life. Which this happened He's in 2000, so up. they're out of prison now. So they served 10 years. And this dude was just out and about. But God, back to the mummy. A little <laughs> bit about our girl. 
So after the cops got her, she was taken to the National Museum in Caracay and studied by an archaeologist named Ahmed Dani. I'm just going to call him Dani because I'm trying not to butcher all of the pronunciation of all of these things. So Dani announced that she seemed to be a princess dated around 600 B.C. She was wrapped in ancient Egyptian style and she was rested in a gilded wooded coffin gilded wooden coffin with cuneiform carvings, which cuneiform is the written language of ancient Persia. She had a golden crown, a mask, and a breastplate that had been translated to read, I am the daughter of the great King Xerxes. Mazareka protect me. I am Rodigun. I am. So this was originally a major. You am who? <laughs> uh, I am Rodigun. I am. No, no, no. I got you. I am. Just in case you needed to know, I am. I am. I think it's more like you heard one. I I feel like it's you heard one half of a conversation. Who are you? I'm, I'm Rodigun. Are you? I am. I am. <laughs> And the we only saw the stenographer writing her dialogue, not the other. Right, dialogue. we just heard that side of the conversation. Yes, 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 yes. That's it. And but unfortunately, those were her dying words, and so that's all that we have. She was like, "I am," and that's where it ends off. So, <laughs> this was a major find, not just because this was a twenty six hundred year old Persian princess. But also not be- just because of that, not just because of that and not just because she was selling for eleven million dollars on the black market. Uh, but also not just because of either of those things. No, but also because no remains of the Persian royal family had ever been found. And I don't know if you know this, but you don't find mummies in Iran. No, that's not really where they're from. That's not they're really from where you find a mummy. You don't really think I'm going to go mummy hunting. You know where I should go? Iran. <laughs> so they're and like, Iran. And I ran to a mummy in the sand. So they were like, This is new. This is interesting. <laughs> this is new. So Danny, the archaeologist, speculated that there might be a chance that this woman was an Egyptian princess who married a Persian prince, which would explain why she was buried in the typical Egyptian mummification method, but buried with Persian transcript, right? That could explain the marriage of the two. So not only was she creating buzz in the archaeological historical world, but like they were writing about her all over the globe. And so she was the mummy that everyone wanted to say was theirs, right? So if you remember, she was found or she was found on the border of Iran and Afghanistan, but by the Pakistani police forces. So all three of them were like, that's my mummy. That's not your mummy. That's my mummy. So Pakistan was like, we found her. Iran was like, she's a member of our royal family. And the Taliban in Afghanistan, who's the one who was running it at the time, was like, right. well, she was originally found after an earthquake in our territory. So like, that means she should be ours. So all three of them are trying to take ownership of this mummy that was found. At the time, Pakistan won the argument. And in November, so a month after she was found, she wa- in November of 2000, she was placed on display at the National Museum of Pakistan. Okay. Now her news was again spreading all over the globe. People were like, have you heard about the newest mummy in town? It's weird. She wasn't found in Egypt. They were like, what? Tell me more. And three weeks after the story was originally announced, an American archaeologist named Oscar Muscarella came forward with his own story. So apparently, 
Oscar had been approached by a middleman working on behalf of a Pakistani antiquities dealer. And this antiquities dealer had a mummy for sale. They showed Muscarella, Oscar, the pictures of the mummy. And when he saw the news article come out with pictures of this Persian princess, he was like, yo, I've seen that mummy before. I had someone try to sell me that mummy. And when this guy had originally reached out to him about the mummy, he said that the mummy was the daughter of Xerxes based on the translation they had gotten off of the breastplate. At the time, Oscar was like, this kind of sounds like a scam. I'm going to look into it. Kind of a little bit, yeah. And he sent the text that he had been given from the breastplate to a local cuneiform expert. Turns out, this inscription takes passages from a book that was written in 520 BC, which is later than the proposed date of the actual mummy supposedly underneath this breastplate with the inscription on it. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) And the writing pattern, so like the way things were written together, was inconsistent with the writing pattern of Old Persian. The expert concluded that the inscription was likely a modern falsification, probably dating no earlier than the 1930s. So Oscar was like, cool, glad I looked into it. Thank you so much. I want no part of your MLM, your mummy laundering market. (laughs) And he cut ties with the antiquities dealer. And then when he saw... hmm? I said, yeah, the fuck he did. He was like, no, thank you. And so when he saw the story pop up in the news, he was like, I've seen that mummy. And at that point, he got in touch with the FBI who got in touch with Interpol to be like, yo, this might be a fraud. Yeah, bitch, it might be. So at this point, the original archaeologist, Danny, who had been like, this is a woman from 600 BC and it's probably a princess he was like, yo, I might have fucked up. <laughs> made a huge mistake. I made a big mistake. And so he reached out to the current archaeologist at the National Museum of Pakistan. And he said, hi, so sorry to bother you. But could you look into this for me? Because I think I made a, made a, might have made a mistake. I might have made a boo-boo. So this is what she found the archaeologist at the National National Museum of Pakistan. She found that there were CAT scans and x-rays that indicated that the mummification had not been performed in the traditional Egyptian fashion at all, that all of the organs from the body had been removed, including the heart, which is normally left in Egyptian mummification. What? The body cavities had been filled up with a powdery substance tendons that should have decayed over time and centuries were still intact on the body. Although the museum had been keeping the body at the right mummy temperature, it seemed to have begun to decay. So our Persian princess was a full-on Persian fake. Yeah. Turns out she's between 21 and 25 years old when she died. She died around 1996. So oh my God. Only four years before she was found. Oh my as God. An $11 million mummy. Before she was found. Found. It sh- she wasn't lost. Well, so. I mean, like, they, it's a four year old corpse. She's a four year old corpse that had been turned into a, a forged mummy. mummy. So they found that she had died from blunt force trauma to the lower back and upper neck, meaning that she broke her neck, and that's how she died. Her body and her hair had been bleached, and all of her teeth had been removed. God. uh. It's unsure if the broken neck injury was a deliberate foul play or a natural cause, But the Pakistani police felt it was enough to open a murder investigation. Yeah. They hoped to one day day identify the woman and her murderer, 
But as of today, the case remains open and unsolved. Holy crap. And not only that, but the lengths and the levels that someone went to forge this this mummification. Because it wasn't only like doing the body, but it was putting her into the sarcophagus, putting in the inscriptions that again, to the first archaeologist, he was duped. He totally fell for it. It wasn't until they started hitting it with CAT scans, x-rays, other forensic evidence that they were like, wait a minute, she died four years ago. Uh, And um, in 2001 is when all of this was uncovered and the archaeologist from the National Museum of Pakistan released an 11-page report on her findings. It wasn't until 2008 before this body was finally given its final resting burial. And that's where she lays. And to date, the Persian princess is an open and unsolved murder case for a Jane Doe that no one knows who she is. But for about six months, she had the world in her grasp because she might have been the one and only remains of the Persian royal family that we had ever found. But it was a fake. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. That's my story. That's fucking crazy. Is that crazy? Whose body is that? Who is it? And what happened? And did they kill her just to make the fake? Did they dig up her body from a graveyard? Did they get it from someone else? What happened? How did they decide that she was worth $11 million? Did anyone else bid on that mummy before that $1 million bid? I have questions. And they'll never be answered. They will never be answered. And that's frustrating. And that's how we're going to end the episode. Thank you guys so much. Hope you sleep well. This is a, I love we both were like, I have a really short story, but this episode this is, is currently over episode. an hour. <laughs> I know. I was looking at that. I'm like, yeah, so much for short stories. But we also had like 20 minutes of banter. Got them. Well, yeah. Well, there's plenty enough for you to edit. Uh, without going on too Thank long you. for a spiel, you know where to find us. We're on Patreon if you want to support us that way to help keep this show running. That is so crucial and awesome. Otherwise, leave us that five-star review on iTunes, baby. Email yeah. us at deadtimestories at gmail.com or even go to deadtimestories with a Z.com, bitch, for that merch. That's it. That's what we got. Go check it out. That's it. Go check it out. I'm into it. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for listening. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And And this this has has been been Dead Time Stories. Thank you for listening. Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Curtison. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Rennie Slackman. 